We think women need to talk more openly about money because money really matters. It shouldn't be embarrassing or confusing. Join the conversation. We'll be discussing a whole range of topics which will help you get comfortable with your finances. Money Matters, brought to you by AJ Bell. Hello and welcome to the Money Matters podcast. I'm Danny Hewson. And I'm Laura Suter, and this is our Spring Statement Meets Tax Year End special podcast. Um, so we've drafted in Rachel Behe, whose official title is Head of Policy Development, but we just like to call her our pensions expert. So hi, Rachel. Hello. Hi, Rachel. As Laura said, Rachel is with us for this whole episode, which is going to be a little different from our normal Money Matters podcast, because it is digging into the Chancellor's spring statement and also helping you what was in it that might affect your finances, uh, helping you also navigate the tax year end, make the most of any tax allowances that you might have missed out on. But Let's start with the spring statement because it had been touted as a mini budget because of the cost of living crisis, which we've spoken about before, Laura. And Rishi Sunak did make some changes and one in particular to the threshold at which people pay national insurance. And that will mean that about 70% of workers will pay less national insurance, despite the fact that the national insurance levy of 1.25% is about to come in. Now, Laura, before we get to the changes that he announced in the spring statement, just explain what national insurance is and who pays it. Yeah, I think it's important that we go back and look at the changes that had already been made before we look at the announcements from yesterday. So national insurance, Rishi Sunak had already announced that he was going to be increasing the rate. Um, It's effectively like an extra tax, but it's separated out from income tax and it has different rates. Um, So at the moment, you pay it just over £9,500 once you hit that point of earnings. Um, you pay 12%. And then once you get over about £50,000 of earnings, that rate gets reduced to 2%. So what Rishi Sunak had already done was announced that he was going to increase those rates from 12% to 13.25% and from 2% to 3.25%. So that was already announced, that was happening. And then each year, that rate, that threshold at which you have to pay it increases by inflation. So what we were already going to see from next month was that that amount that you have to earn before you pay national insurance was going to rise to around about £9,900, just short of that. What was announced yesterday was that that threshold of £9,900, it's actually 9880 if you want to be exact, um, is going to rise all the way up. So not by normal inflation increase um, or not even by a little bit more. It's going to rise all the way up to 12,570, which is a very exact number. But it is also the threshold at which you start paying income tax. So what Rishi Sunak has effectively done is equalise those two um, rates. And it means that in theory, most people who have earnings below £12,570 a year from next year um, won't have to pay any income tax or any national insurance. But as always, there are caveats. And so this rate doesn't come in until July, so it won't come in immediately. Um, So that, that new threshold won't come in immediately. And that's I think mainly because it takes payroll systems 
a while to update and they wouldn't be able to do that overnight. However, what is still coming in from April are the higher rates. So we end up with a weird transition system where we go from the current system from next month we go to higher rates but the threshold only rising by a little bit and then from July we get that big increase in the threshold which is going to save people some money are you still with me Danny I am still with you yes well (laughs) it's about 70% of people as you say that are going to be paying less when you start crunching the numbers which means about 30% of people will be paying more and of course this levy it's to help the NHS deal with the backlog of COVID issues and then of course to help pay for social care so Rishi Sunak didn't want to go back on that because he felt that you know the NHS needed that extra money I I don't know if you've tried to get a doctor's appointment recently or you've needed any other kind of treatment but certainly you know there are huge waiting lists it is a big issue and The new measures that he announced yesterday, um, that there's been sort of some discussion about exactly how much it was, somewhere between six and eight billion pounds. And the levy, of course, was to generate about 12 billion pounds. So I'm not sure yet whether or not we've had any indication of exactly whether or not the extra money for the NHS will be found somewhere else or whether that will sort of come out in the wash. But just to give you an idea, I've been crunching some of the numbers about how much less people will be paying in terms of their national insurance. And of course, you've got to remember a lot of women particularly are in that low paid earner bracket because a lot of women do tend to work part time. They've got caring responsibilities. So if you earn £15,000 a year from July, you'll be paying £330 less in national insurance over the year. It's not a great deal, but of course, at the moment, anything will help. However, if you are earning £60,000 a year, you'll be paying about £232 more in national insurance. Those things will help a little bit, but not a huge amount. And there was one other big thing that Rishi Sunak announced in this spring statement, which of course, got a load of headlines, but it's not a huge amount for people, Laura. Yes, so Rishi Sunak's big kind of headline grabbing move was to reduce the duty that you pay on fuel, on petrol, by 5p a litre, petrol and diesel, I should say. Um, So then because VAT is charged on the top, that gives you an effective 6p a litre reduction on your fuel costs. Um, But again, the the caveats. So at the moment, the government's um, tax take on petrol and diesel, so the fuel duty and VAT on top, is about 50% of the price that you pay at the pump um, when prices are about um, £1.67 a litre for petrol, which is what they are at the moment. Um, So that 5p reduction in comparison to the total amount that the government takes is not very much. Um, The move came in from six o'clock on the night of the budget, so on the 23rd of March, Um, And lots of supermarkets promise to give you that reduction at six o'clock. A bit of a marketing ploy rather than actually that being what happens, because in a very techie way, you pay the duty on petrol when it's delivered to the petrol station. Um, So lots of other petrol stations that don't have the kind of spending power and marketing power of supermarkets um, will gradually reduce their prices. So the next time they take a delivery, for example, that would be when they would pay the lower duty. But they don't have to pass it on. Um, And we're also seeing prices very volatile at the moment and and rising and falling quite a bit. So 
I don't think, other than those supermarkets, which took a great chance to have some good headlines, um, I don't think it's necessarily the case that if you go down to your local petrol station that you were at on Tuesday and you go on Thursday, it's necessarily going to be exactly 6p a litre cheaper. But it's still a saving. It saves the average family size car. Um, if you're filling it up, you'll save just over £3 on that. Um, so it's a saving, but it's not massive. It's not massive and people shouldn't just expect that the next time they go to the supermarket, as you say, that they'll see that amount come down because if in the interim the oil price has gone up, then the price that, you know, that the retailer is paying for that petrol has also gone up. So I was just looking at the numbers that the Office for National Statistics used for their last lot of inflation figures, which inflation came at 6.2%, which is a huge amount. But they were saying uh, in February, when um, diesel was at a record high, that a litre of petrol was 147.6, now 167. So it's gone up 20p in just a few weeks. So actually, in terms of what what people are going to expect from this saving, it's not a huge amount. And you know, people on low incomes particularly have been talking about the fact that maybe they don't have a car, but they will be helped by public transport, keeps the cost down there a little bit. And also in terms of how much people are paying to transport goods as well. So again, a tiny bit. But there was a huge kickback, Laura, on the fact that Rishi Sunak didn't do more to help the most vulnerable, and particularly when it comes to benefits, because uh, universal credit, obviously a, a huge benefit, lots of people claim it. It's going up by inflation in a few days' time, but it's going up by the inflation figure from September, which was 3.1%. And now it's 6.2%, which just means, you know, there's there's a huge discrepancy. And I, I took a look, and for a claimant over 25, that's going to come in about an extra £10 a month, which is, is not very much at all, particularly because so many people got used to having that £20 a month, uh, £20 a week uplift during COVID. And there was a lot of pressure on the Chancellor to, to maybe reintroduce that, but he didn't. And I know he's taken a lot of flack for that. There was some extra money for the most vulnerable, though. Yeah, there was. And I think the the calls in Parliament of is that all when he'd finished his announcements were echoing how the entire nation felt. I think everyone was expecting a bit more help with the cost of living crisis. And I think knocking fuel down by a little bit and, and making that change to national insurance doesn't directly address the things that you mentioned. So the rising cost in supermarkets and energy bills, particularly. Um yeah, he did announce some additional support. So there's a household support fund, um, which he'd already announced £500 million worth of funding for. Um, that funding expires at the end of March, and he's now issued another £500 million. Now, this is money that gets filtered down to local council. So an, a certain amount is allocated to each local council, and it's up to them to dish out the money. The Rishi Sunak's logic is that local councils know the areas of need in their own community and so they're best placed to help people. Um, 
However, I think what's frustrating for some people is that that is money that people then have to know is there, know is available and go and proactively apply for if they think they might be eligible. So where previously with help with energy bills, for example, we get that automatic rebate in our energy bills or the council tax rebate where most people who pay, everyone who pays by direct debit will get that automatically put in their bank account. This pot of funding, you have to know about it. You have to go through the process of applying for it. And actually that means that it might not end up reaching those that are most in need. And also, I think that 500 million is probably going to run out fairly quickly when we look at how much the cost of living is going up by. Yeah, and uh, as well as a a lot of um, unhappy people writing in questions yesterday, I saw an awful lot of questions from people talking about benefits, but we also had an awful lot of pensioners sending in messages saying, what about us? Uh, There had been calls before the spring statement for the Chancellor to maybe reintroduce the earnings element of the triple lock. Rachel, let's just explain to people first and foremost what the triple lock is. The triple lock is a measure that was introduced a few years ago by the government and the idea is that it it makes sure that the pension um, and the state pension carries on going up in real terms and make sure it protects people's at the amount of money pensioners are getting. So the triple lock works and says, well, every year we'll put an increase in the state pension and it's going to go up by the highest of the rise in inflation or the rise in earnings or 2.5%. So if we go back a few years when we had low inflation and low earnings growth, then it was just increasing in line with 2.5%. But it made sure that there was a solid increase in there for pensioners. Now, what happened this year was we, when we got around to calculating the state pension increases, it was a different environment. Um, and that we had inflation at 3.1%, we had the 2.5%. But when we looked at the earnings increase, the earnings increase in which came out for set, uh, for July last year was about 8%. Now, at that time, that felt like a, a bit of a weird and wonderful figure, an anomaly. It didn't feel like it really fitted into the economic um perspective or landscape at that time and it was just a hangover from covid and people coming out of the first lockdown and the fact that earnings went up so massively from what they were in the previous uh, from july 2020 to july 2021 so at that point the government said well okay for this year for the increases that are going to come in from april 2022 then what we're going to do is just forget about the earnings side of it because 8% seems really high and we'll just use the 3.1%, which was the inflation figure. Now, as we've already said, 3.1% now, when we're looking in an environment where it's um, 6.2, it seems massively, uh, it seems completely out of kilter. So pensioners are are going to find that their, their pensions are going up this year in a few weeks' time, but then probably not going up as much as they want them to go up. Um, So the figures where they're going up is the basic state pension is going up from £137.60 a week, and it's going to go up to £141.85. And the new state pension, the level state pension, is going up from £179.60 a week to £185.15. 
But I think the interesting, when you're looking at this, it's only an increase of 3.1%. And as we've said, inflation, um, this um, has come out at 6.2%. But when you're thinking about pensioners, because they spend proportionately more of their income on um, heating and on food, Um, And these are the areas that we're really seeing the sharp increases in prices. And certainly next month, we're going to see a very sharp increase in price. Because of that, if you look at inflation amongst the pensioners themselves as a different slice of the population, then it's actually much higher. It's probably about 11 or maybe even 12%. So you compare that to a 3.1% increase and you realise that there are going to be um, unfortunately, some pensioners out there who are going to be making some very tough choices and are going to be uh, struggling, I think, over the next few months. I mean, that fall in living standards is going to be across the board. And we're talking about 6.2% inflation. But for the Office for Budget Responsibility, which you know, keeps check on, on government figures during things like the spring statement, it was talking about inflation expecting to average out at 7.4% over the year and peaking at 8.7%. I mean, you know, that is a huge level. And the one thing that really caught my eye or made my ear prick up was when Rishi Sunak was talking about the fact that inflation is expected to reduce real household disposable income on a person-by-person basis by 2.2% this year which he went on to say was the biggest fall in living standards in a single year since records began in the 1950s. And Rachel, you were just talking about, you know, fuel prices. It's a 54% increase in, in the price cap that we're going to see in just a few days' time. And people are really going to be hurting. And I, and I know that the argument is that the best cure for high prices is high prices, because if you don't have the money to spend, then inflation comes down. And in some ways, there is an argument to be made by not putting more money into people's pockets. Hopefully, you'll help bring inflation down quicker. But while people are going through it, it's still going to be really difficult. And Laura, I know another thing that we we haven't mentioned, but we've spoken about before is in terms of tax, we've talked about the increase in threshold for national insurance. But those tax thresholds that, that normally go up in line with inflation, they're being frozen this time as well, which is also going to impact how much people are getting in their pay. Yeah, exactly. And that's going to have a a massive impact. So um, one of the things that we've not discussed is the big kind of um, chancellors love to make a surprise announcement at the end of budgets that they haven't leaked beforehand and um, often called the rabbit out of the hat. But I feel like that phrase is probably a bit overused now. But um, Rishi Sunak's yesterday was that he's going to reduce um, income tax. He's going to reduce it from 20% down to 19%, which got us initially excited. And then he said, in 2024, if all the things are right and if there's enough crosses and dots and all of these things. So there's a lot of caveats. Um, so, but that then you think, okay, well, that's good. Income tax bills are going to fall. But actually, the point that you make, Danny, of, of these frozen thresholds has such a big impact on people's 
total tax that they're going to pay, particularly when we're in such a high inflation environment. So where I talked earlier about um, national insurance thresholds rising, income tax thresholds do the same. So the amount that you can earn tax-free or the amount that you earn at the 20% rate, um, those limits increase with inflation each year. And of course, if inflation's higher, those limits will increase more, which means you can earn more money before you have to pay any tax or before you hit that higher rate, 40% bracket. Those have been frozen until 2026. And so if you couple high inflation with then um, fairly decent wage growth, so decent pay rises so that we can keep up with inflation, people are going to see their tax bills increase and more and more people are going to be pushed into that 40% tax bracket. Um, so it, it gets really complicated. And that's, and that uh, the cynic in me would say that is why the government's chosen to do it, because people don't fully understand stealth taxes. Um, and that's a much more palatable way of announcing a tax rise than just announcing that you're going to increase rates. Um, but it is one that's going to have a big impact on people's take home pay. I think there's a lot of levers around this, aren't there, uh, Laura? There's lots of things which are all moving. And if you're sat in the middle and you're trying to figure out your NI, your national insurance is going up by 1.25% percentage points, but then the threshold is also going up, but then your tax income tax thresholds are frozen. And then trying to just work out what it means for you on a month-by-month basis is really, really difficult. There's just too many moving parts. I think it's tricky for us and we work in the industry yeah. and love Excel spreadsheets. So for the average person on the street, it's it's almost impossible. I mean, I guess that's, that's what we're here for. But um, yeah, I think they've made the system so complicated. That it's difficult to know where you're losing money, where you're gaining money and, and what position you're in at the end. Yeah. And Rachel, that tax cut that, that Laura was talking about, that Rishi Sunak announced as sort of the rabbit out the hat. Yeah, absolutely. Not yet, but it's also got a sting in the tail when it comes to pensions. It has. Um, pensions are a really tax efficient way to um, to save for your later life. And the reason, one of the reasons they are is because you get tax relief on your um, pension contributions. Now, this is always sounds a little bit more complicated than it really needs to be. There's a really simple message that if you are saving into, say, a, um, a SIP, then a, a self-invested personal pension, then if you pay in £80, you get £20 from the government. And this is your, that's your tax relief. But it's easier maybe to think of it as a, as a bonus. Now, all that means is that the tax you have been paying on your take-home pay, you're just getting that tax back again into your pension. But if you reduce the amount of tax you pay, then it does follow that you're going to reduce the amount of tax relief you get. So instead of having that nice message where we said £80 and then the government gives you 20 we're going to have a message that you put in 80 one pounds and the government gives you 19. So it's not as easy to maybe follow. But what it also means is that if you carry on just paying in your pension contributions each year and you don't take account of the fact that the amount of money you're getting from the government has gone down, then you will see that it has a has an effect on your that on the end pension you're going to get. Now, um, AJ Bell, we've just crunched a few of the numbers on this. And if you assume that you're going to pay in, um, say, £6,000 a year, and if you're paying in that amount of money, the, the amount of 
tax relief that you're not going to get. So you're going to lose out on almost £3,000 in tax relief if you look at a 30-year period, so over your working life. And when you look at what that means for the end pot of money that you've got to spend on your retirement income, then that could be down about 5500 Now, if you pay in more contributions, if you're paying £1,000 a month, £12,000 a year, then you could be down on your eventual pot at something like nearly £11,000. So this is the amount of tax relief you get from the government is a really important factor. It's one of the reasons why pensions and saving within pensions is so good and so important. But it does have a big effect when the when the government starts messing around with the, the, the levels and you're going to get less money from the government coming in. OK, well, if that wasn't enough to make your head explode, it is also tax year end. Laura, what is it? When is it? Why is it important? Yeah, so tax year end um, happens on the 5th of April and it's the and then the new tax year starts the following day unsurprisingly and um, it means that you get a load of new allowances so it's things like your pension allowance um, your ISA allowance your lifetime ISA allowance all of those things reset um, but also for tax purposes um, things like your capital gains allowance and also your income tax um, allowances they all reset for that new tax year so it means that the 5th of April is your deadline to use up any of those allowances that you haven't yet used. So, for example, if you wanted to put money in your ISA and you're in the um, fortunate position where you could be up to that £20,000 limit, then you want to make sure that you pay that money in um, before the 5th of April deadline because a a lot of these allowances are use it or lose it. Um, Same for your lifetime ISA, that's a lower £4,000 a year allowance, so people might be more likely to push up against that. If you want to make sure that you lock in that allowance this year, then you've only got a week or so to do that. Um, And the same with your pension. So most people get a £40,000 a year allowance um, to put money in their pension. There are exceptions to that, but um, for the majority of people, that would be your limit. And so if you wanted to top up your pension, then the clock is ticking. And we've spoken about the fact people might not have as much disposable income as they used to have, um, but people really do still have to live. You know, they, they want to try and make their money work for them in the best way possible, want to save for a house, a wedding later in life. Um, Rachel, you know, pensions, at this point in time, it, it's really important that people don't think, okay, I need to put this money aside to pay for, you know, living now and not think about living in the future. Yeah, and it's it's very, very difficult because there are going to be so many calls on people's money. And although um, with inflation going up, you would expect earnings to go up as well it's still going to be really difficult, I think, to to try and, and to segment that money away and to make sure that you just carry on saving. Um, but it is important because um, you're only robbing your future self. Um, so putting the money away now, you are going to get that money back later on in life. And if the sooner you can start saving and the more you can save then, then you can get a longer amount of time to keep it invested. And at that point, that's something where the, the compound interest, this magic ingredient with pensions, where it's if you keep it there and you keep rolling the money on and on and on, you can really benefit from increasing in the growth. Um, But what you probably um, need to do is just to make sure that your pension savings are maybe linked 
to a percentage of how much you, income you get of your of your earnings. So as your earnings go up, the the actual amount of pension contributions will also keep on going up as well. If it's at five percent or seven percent, the actual amount in in uh, pounds and pence will carry on increasing as your earnings go up. And I think that's important: is that every time you get an earnings increase, maybe think. Am I putting the right amount of money into my pension? Can I afford to put in a little bit more and maybe just get this wonderful tax relief from the government? Make sure that you look at what your employer is offering and take advantage of all of the, all of the what your employer is offering to, to pay in as well for you. And that way you can maybe save for your future. And I know that um, some women I've spoken to have said, look, you know, I'm, I'm working part time, but maybe because of hybrid working, maybe because of the huge pressures of cost of living they're either looking to increase their hours or maybe take on an an extra job and we know that there are an awful lot of jobs vacancies around at the moment the jobs market is buoyant so potentially they might be able to pay a bit more into their pension they might do and the the other thing to be aware of is that um, sometimes if you've got a couple of self a couple of part-time jobs and things like that you might not earn enough to be able to be automatically enrolled into your employer's workplace pension and you've got to earn over ten thousand pounds before your employer automatically enrolls you in but with wage increases, maybe another job or whatever it happens to be, some people might now find that they go over this trigger point and they're automatically enrolled in. But the other thing to remember with that is that even if you're not automatically enrolled in, your employer still has to write to you and say, you can become a member of this pension scheme. And if you join, then I can put some, I'll put some money in as well for you. So maybe think about those sort of those sort of offers coming back from your employer. And if that's your situation, and you can maybe say, well, actually, yeah, I think I will join this employer's workplace pension because I've got a little bit more money, I can afford to do so. But you also get the employer's pension contribution, and that is really it'll substantially increase what you're saving for your retirement. And Laura, the, the one thing, you know, a lot of people at the moment are really being squeezed by the cost of living issues. They might be thinking, I, I don't have any money to put aside for a pension or for extra savings. But maybe they're right at the start of their career. And of course, we talk about the, the gender investment gap all the time. It, it may be later down the line when they're having kids that, that the amount that they're putting in also is curtailed. So, they need to think now about what they're putting in, about saving, because it's still really important. Yeah, and I think it's easy for savings and pensions and kind of saving for future to be slightly forgotten about um, when there is a rising cost of living and, and bills are um, mounting up and it's much easier to focus on those costs that you've got immediately now rather than putting away money for the future. And and like you say, for lots of people, it's just not going to be an option to put away money over the next year or so with costs being so high. But if you do have the ability to save that little bit of money, whether it's in your pension or whether it's putting money away um, in cash or investing it for the future, um, rather than having a couple of years where you abandon your longer term savings, then then future you will thank you for it and one last thing about pensions rachel which kind of takes us back full circle there are people who might be thinking about using the pension freedoms to 
dip into their pot to help get them through the next year. And I think the OBR had some figures about people that were doing that, but there are some things that people need to be aware about. Yes, um, when pension freedoms and pension flexibility was introduced in 2014, uh, 2015, then the government obviously and the OBR set out exactly how many how many um, people they thought were going to access their money and what sort of tax receipts they were going to get. Now, this is because when you come to look at your pension pot, you can take, usually you can take 25% of the pot as a a tax-free cash lump sum. And if you take anything else out of the pension, then it's taxed at um, the highest rate of tax you pay. So you do have to pay income tax on it. Now, if you uh, want to take out, say, a a £50,000 pension pot and you earn £30,000, then if you add the 50 onto the 30, that's obviously going to push you into a higher tax bracket and you're going to pay more tax. And that's really what the OBR has been finding that people are doing. What they've done is they've compared how the um, tax receipts that the Treasury has got back from pension flexibility over 2020 to 2021, and they compared it to what's happening in this tax year, this 2021 to 2022, and they found out that it's 20% higher. So people are obviously dipping a little bit more into their pension because they can do, and it's just to help them out and to be able to... um, to be be able to help them out, to maybe treat it a little bit like a bank account. But you've got to be careful when you're doing that. It's it's really, it's a helpful source of money, but you've got to remember that a pension is there, something you've built up over a long period of time. And it's to last a long period of time. It's to last 30 years in, in retirement. So if you take money out really early on, you're not going to be left with an awful lot to live on in your later, later years. So you've just got to be really aware of that. You also maybe, as I've said, if you take out the whole, whole pot and just cash it in, you may be going to be pushed into a higher tax bracket. You may be paying a little bit more tax than you need to. So how will you take the money out and over how much you take out and you work that into how much tax you can pay, you can reduce the amount of tax you can pay. Now, all of this is really, really complicated. Um, so it's really worth going to get some guidance and some advice on this. And you can go and get some guidance from the um, government guidance from PensionWise. And if you ring them up, they'll be able to help you out and to give you some pointers about what you should be thinking about. But if you want to get personalised advice and so someone to say to you, this is what you should be able to do, then you can go and get regulated financial advice and that should be able to help you make these sort of decisions. Just one last point. If you do cash in some of your pension, which is above this 25% tax-free cash amount, so if you take a little bit more than that and you pay tax on that, income tax on that, it does have an effect on the amount of contributions you can carry on paying into a pension scheme. So you might be tempted to just take out a little bit of money of your pension because you're over the age of 55, but you're carrying on working. But it's just a a note just to make sure that you're aware that the amount you're paying in and contributions and the amount you can pay in from contributions and get tax relief on, that's going to reduce from 40,000 down to 4,000. So it's a really big cut. So it will really curtail how much money you're going to be able to put in and contribute in future. So just be aware of that. 
And it's just another thing to think about when you're trying to work out whether to access some money from your pension pot or not. Rachel, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, everyone, for listening. You can get in touch with us at moneymatters at ajbell.co.uk or you can go to our Instagram account, which is ajbellmoneymatters. And if you are worried about the rising cost of living, then do go back and listen to one of our previous podcasts all about this very subject. We've put together a brilliant group of women with some great tips. Thanks for listening. Before you go, please remember this podcast is for educational purposes and the views expressed don't necessarily reflect those of AJ Bell. The podcast isn't telling you whether certain investments are suitable or not. And don't forget that the value of investments can change and you can lose money as well as make it. It's also important to remember that tax rules apply and that the way an investment performed in the past may not be the same as how it behaves in the future. If you want help, go see a qualified financial advisor.